Hi, and welcome to another episode of IoT This Week. I'm your host, Craig Smith. This is episode five, and it is July 19th, 2015. So before we get started with the news, I wanted to just quickly read a quote from an article called Microsoft has hit the ecosystem wall. And the reason why I wanted to read this quote is because of the um, couple of sentences it has in there about ecosystem. So when you hear people talk about IoT or any other things, you'll hear them talk a lot about ecosystem and so forth. So a lot of times people get confused exactly what ecosystem means. So let me just read this quote real quick. The word ecosystem is tossed about a lot in the tech industry, but it does not simply mean having a bunch of stuff out in the market. As in nature, having a tech ecosystem implies that one part of a business feeds another part. Unlike in nature, though, ecosystems are expected to not only continue in their cycle, but keep growing, end quote. So I think that gives a good definition of what ecosystem means when we're talking about the Internet of Things. So it's not just a vendor having just a bunch of, you know, 100 random products out on the market. It's, it's, have a, it's a vendor having products where they may have 100 in total, but it could be 20 that are actually working together as part of an ecosystem. Okay, so the first news article we want to talk about today is a new certification um, unveiled by the Wi-Fi Alliance, and that certification is called Wi-Fi Aware. So this is interesting. So instead of needing a wireless router in the middle for various IoT devices to talk to each other, this would basically make it where the devices can simply transfer data whenever they are in proximity of each other. So that's going to be interesting on a couple of fronts, um, especially the security of data that's just automatically being sent back and forth. So, uh, yeah, that should be interesting. And then the next bit of news comes out of Google, where they put forth their Eddystone standard for beacons, which is similar to Apple's iBeacon. So there are a few things that are different as far as uh, Google's uh, standard goes, and I'll just uh, go through a few of those. Um, so iBeacon is Android and iOS compatible, but native only for iOS. Uh, Eddystone is Android and iOS compatible, and may be a native part of the upcoming Android M release. Um, iBeacon is simple and easy to implement. Eddystone is flexible and opens new possibilities, but it's more complicated to code. iBeacon is not open source. The spec is in Apple's hands. Um, Eddystone is published openly on GitHub. iBeacon broadcasts a unique ID number, and Eddystone actually broadcasts three different packets, a unique ID number, a URL address, and sensor telemetry. And then, then the next bit of news comes from, from Gartner where they did some research to look and see how smart lighting um, and how smart lighting has the potential to reduce energy costs. So what they actually came up with was that it has the potential to reduce energy costs by 90%. So some of the numbers they uh, put forth in the article are that they predict um, that smart lighting and that the smart lighting install base is projected to grow from 46 million units in 2015 to 2.5 billion units in 2020. 
And in, in 2014, um, 300 million to 500 million square feet of commercial space worldwide could be considered to have intelligent or smart lighting. So one of the things they did mention in the article that just simply installing a LED light doesn't um, just automatically give you, you know, 90% cost savings. So what they recommend is that you really need to implement five key strategic phases as part of smart lighting. So those are one, LED lighting, two, sensors and controls, three, connectivity, four, analytics, and five, intelligence. And our next item comes from Target where they've actually just launched something called Open House and it's supposed to be, it's an experimental branch of stores that actually sells nothing but connected home tech. So these stores right now are only in San Francisco. So if you happen to be in San Francisco, it might be definitely worth checking out um, because the store only showcases um, connected home tech, which otherwise might get mixed in and not be visible as part of just the regular aisles in their normal stores. And then the final news item comes from uh, Business Insider. And the news, it's interesting um, because the news is actually about China, uh, but it's also a bit uh, disheartening because the U.S. government isn't really doing some of the same things or, or isn't up, as up to speed as China is when it comes to um, planning out the Internet of Things and so forth. So one of the things um, they mentioned in the article is that M2M, which is machine-to-machine connections in China, uh, will reach 336 million by 2020. And they said last year China actually led the globe with 74 million machine-to-machine connections, which are connections that use uh, cellular connectivity to bring machines, um, and that's including like vehicles and so forth online. So a few of the bullet points they had in here, which, like I said earlier, it's a little uh, disheartening because the U.S. government hasn't taken as much initiative, apparently, as China has in thinking about this. So just uh, so uh, several of the bullet points, uh, just to read these to you. So the Chinese government has actually established a national IoT center in Shanghai and funded a program for promoting research and development in IoT technologies, and that was back in 2010. Um, unlike the U.S. government, China's government has a strategy in place to boost economic growth called Internet Plus, uh, which is put together to help develop the IoT in cooperation with cloud and big data technologies. The government, the Chinese government, developed an IoT action plan back in 2013 for setting interoperability standards that enable different IoT systems to communicate with, with each other. And then last year, the central government picked more than 200 cities across the country to pilot uh, various smart city projects. So it's really interesting to see what China is currently doing with IoT and how they appear to be you know, planning it a bit better than the U.S. is. Okay, so a couple items from the uh, IoT security front. So many of you may have... Um, been paying attention to Apple's HomeKit and some of the delays it's ran into. So one of the things the uh, an article put forth here is that um, a lot of the delay has to be has to do with uh, Apple's chip and firmware security demands um, that they put on um, vendors in order to be certified for HomeKit. 
So with Apple's uh, certified system on a chip and a device acting as the middleman, you know, handling the security, encryption, and wireless comms, that all has to be in place and certified uh, using their certified communication chips and Apple's firmware before it can be allowed into the uh, HomeKit ecosystem. And then just a bit uh, on the research projects that I've been working on. So you should be seeing a uh, smartwatch research report coming out this week, I believe, um, where we actually researched uh, 10 uh, different smartwatches, including the uh, Apple Watch. The next project we're going to be looking at is IoT, Internet of Things protocols. So there are probably 25 or different, thir 25 or 30 different IoT protocols, and that includes wireless protocols and different other communication protocols like Thread and so forth. Um, so for this project, we'll be digging into things like uh, Bluetooth and Zigbee and Z-Wave and Thread, uh, which is used with Nest and other different IoT protocols, just to look at them from a security standpoint and an implementation standpoint. And then just real quick on the conference standpoint, a lot of these were mentioned in the last podcast, so I'll just go through these briefly. Um, as far as conferences in July, there's one called Naughty Objects. Uh, there's Internet of Things in Chicago, one called App Nation Internet of Things in Santa Clara, U.S. And then, of course, there's, this is actually in August, first week in August, but there, of course there's Black Hat and DEF CON in uh, Las Vegas. And then just a few items to mention um, in regards to learning about IoT. So one of the things I ran across, which I have no idea how good this is, the training is, but there's um, some online IoT trainings from a organization called a XELTA, I'm not sure, Axelta maybe, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but anyway, it's A-X-E-L-T-A where they're actually offering, I think next week, they're offering a like three or five day uh, boot camp on IoT. So I may actually look into that and see if that's something I actually wanna see if I can participate in. Uh, but like I said, I have no idea how good it will be, but anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there. And then also, as I just mentioned, there's DEF CON and Black Hat, uh, where there's a couple device, or sorry, a couple of uh, training courses at Black Hat embedded device security assessments for the rest of us, then offensive Internet of Things exploitation. Then the other thing that I want to actually put together some videos on, uh, hopefully maybe later this week or next couple weeks, um, I just got my Cantac car hacking device. So I wanna try that out um, and then see if I can put a few videos together to kind of supplement the uh, podcast. And then on the uh, talks and presentations front, so I've put in here, usually I put in here um, talks specifically related to Internet of Things, but this week I've added a couple of others that are uh, related to mobile presentations. So the first couple are ones that I mentioned last week. Um, Daniel Mesa will be speaking at DEF CON uh, about Internet of Things, um, and he'll also be speaking at HUSEC CON in October about the Internet of Things. And then a couple other folks that I work with, uh, Greg Patton, Greg Patton will be speaking at Houston Tech Fest on mobile security on September 12th. And then one of the other folks, Ray Kelly, he'll be speaking at RSA Asia on July 22nd and at AppSec USA on September 22nd on modif modifying the Android OS for mobile application testing. 
And then finally, the one thing I've added this week, um, because I thought it might be interesting to folks who are just interested from a technical standpoint, but I thought I would add some just miscellaneous, miscellaneous tech things from some information on various things I just buy and try out and so forth um, just to satisfy my own tech addiction. So one of the things I got this week, um, which I actually hadn't tried before, um, but I wanted to start using a gaming headset instead of just playing it through, playing it loud through just regular uh, computer speakers. But anyway, so I came across a gaming headset, which I think has been out a few years, uh, but it's the Astro A50, and it's a bit exp on the expensive side. But as far as, like, comfort and sound quality and so forth, um, this thing is way up there. Um, I mean, I've sat, I sat playing the game, uh, a game for a few hours. The uh, headphones were pretty comfortable and so forth. And actually the sound quality, and it actually uses um, the 5.8 gigahertz range, so it's not getting all jammed up mixed in with like the 2.4 gigahertz range that's, you know, completely crowded these days. So anyway, if anybody's looking for a good gaming headset, um, I would definitely recommend those. You know, feel free to check the reviews out and so forth. Um, I actually didn't buy these until I had read a lot of the reviews. So all the reviews I've read for people have been like mostly positive and so forth over the last couple of years this, this headset's been out. So anyway, just something to add uh, a little extra to the podcast. So anyway, that's it for this week. Um, I'm Craig Smith. If you have any questions or whatever, feel free to go to iotthisweek.com and, and uh, add a comment, or you can email at podcast at iotthisweek.com. But anyway, um, have a great week. Thank you.